This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Forget the frustration of picking commerce platforms when you switch your business to Shopify, the global commerce platform that supercharges your selling wherever you sell. With Shopify, you'll harness the same intuitive features, trusted apps, and powerful analytics used by the world's leading brands. Sign up today for your $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash tech, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash tech. Welcome to Accelerate Your Business Growth, where we're exploring all sorts of business topics. Experts from around the world join me, your host, Diane Helbig, for a conversation where they share their expertise with all of you. Take what you need, when you need it. Featured on Inc.com, Forbes, and MSNBC's Your Business, this podcast is recognized as one of the best podcasts for small business, sales, leadership, social media, and more. When it comes to business, Accelerate Your Business Growth has got it covered. And now on with the show. My guest today is Leslie Pyle. Leslie is the founder and CEO of HireMyMom.com, a service connecting small businesses with virtual professionals across the country since 2007. She began her work from home journey in 1995 after having her first child and started her first online business in 1996. She serves on the board of directors for Mighty Oaks Foundation and is a contributing writer to entrepreneur.com. She and her family reside in Texas. Thanks so much for being here today, Leslie. Thank you. It's my pleasure to be with you, Diane. Thrilled to have you here. We're going to be talking about um, hiring help for, for your small business. And I think this is, you probably hear it all the time. I know I do from people that you know, which comes first and how do I know, uh, you know, uh, the, the whole nine yards. So I yes. can't wait to ask you some of these questions. <laughs> answers. <laughs> right. So I'm going to start with what are the signs that you actually need to hire? Yeah. And this is one, especially for new small business owners, solopreneurs that are kind of like not quite sure if they're yet there yet. And I can tell you the signs that I see and would say, yes, these are signs you need to hire are one is your customer service slipping. Are you no longer able to give your clients and customers the attention that you used to give or that you like to give? So that's a sign. Another one is, are you wearing too many hats? Do you not have time to do what you love and what you're really good at in your business because you're so bogged down with doing all the other things that your business requires? Another one is that maybe you're getting the side eye from your spouse or your kids that you're working too many hours. So if you're working more hours than you anticipated or originally set out to do, that can be another sign. Um Another one is you don't have the capacity to take on new business or clients. You're kind of stuck and you're unable to grow your business anymore because you can't do anything else. And then lastly, if you do currently have other team members, are they doing more than what you originally hired them for? And are they also overwhelmed? Wow. I I get those. Okay. Mm -hmm. So one of the things, another thing that, that I hear from people is, that they don't know what to, uh, I'll call it offload, you know, for, for lack yeah. of a better word. 
So are, are there particular positions that you think a small business should be hiring for? Yeah. And I say there's really two, two things to consider. Number one, what do you not have time for? Or what do you not like doing? And those are two things that you can think about outsourcing. And I will say for most small businesses that we've worked with or solopreneurs, the first person they hire is typically an assistant, an executive or a virtual assistant to help with a lot of the administrative things. And that might be responding to emails that might be helping with uh, managing your calendar, answering phone calls, responding to customers and that sort of thing. Um, and then once they have that role, if they're looking to, you know, again, looking for that next hire, a lot of times we see uh, businesses, they're looking for someone to help with their social media or marketing. Mm-hmm. So we see that social media management, uh, digital marketing, you know, help with email marketing, uh, bookkeeping, maybe graphic design, uh, writing, maybe it's some blog writing or some editing, uh, project manager if you have some projects coming up and you're like, I really need to get, let's say you're working on a new course and you just don't have time to manage all the details. You just want to do your part, you know, hiring someone to help with your projects, your customer service, um, Facebook ads, that can be a whole, um, you know, learning curve to figure all of that out. So hiring someone to do that. And then another great hire is, you know, someone to help you if you get, uh, if you grow enough that you have a team and not then you don't have time to necessarily manage your team. You can consider an operations person or an online business manager to kind of be your go-to person who then takes those directions and um, tasks to your team. Okay. What do you say to the person who says, it makes me feel very vulnerable, uncomfortable, turning these things over to someone, especially someone who isn't necessarily going to be in the office with me all the time. Right. And that can be, I think initially when you first hire someone, it can be a little bit scary handing off, you know, things that you're used to doing or things that are very important to you. Mm -hmm. But I think one of the ways to alleviate that is doing very thorough interviews in the process, getting to know the person and getting reassured of what their skills are how they work, what's important to you as a business owner, and what are you looking for in that candidate? If you want someone who communicates frequently, then, you know, put that in your job post and have some way for them to communicate with you, whether, you know, that's Boxer or Google Chat or whatever it might be, especially for those initial, you know, two or three weeks or months until you're very comfortable with that person. And once you're confident, okay, they know what they're doing, they no longer need me to check in on them constantly, then I think your time really gets freed up at that point. Yeah, that, that's really great. So, so let's talk about um, the kinds of questions you think people should be asking during that interview process so they gather that, you know, the, the, right. the valuable information. Right. Yeah. You want to really be um, intentional about the questions you're asking because only you know what's important to you and a candidate. So think through those. You know, if you really are, you know, like I said, communication is very important to you, then look for questions that are going to bring that out in the candidate to help you discern, yeah, that's going to be a, a strength of theirs or it's not. Um, also, you want to find out what interests that person about the job. Do they mm. truly? 
truly want that job or are they just looking for a job? So things I look for um, in the cover letter and the resume is, is something resonating about my industry, my company, what they've read about me on my website or my social media. Have they pointed those things out and said, I really love that you fill in the blank. I really love that your company fill in the blank. And that gives you a clue to, yeah, they're really interested in not just having a job, but they really resonate with this particular job. And, you know, the more that they uh, resonate and want that job, I feel like the more likely you're going to keep them long-term. And that's always the goal, right? Not to have to keep hiring and training. So that I think is important. I also like to ask, what did you like and dislike about previous jobs? And you're looking for clues on things that are important to you or things that aren't important to you so that, you know, again, those things that are, you're you're seeing if any of those kind of are highlighted in their answers or the opposite, things that are really important to you. Are you seeing that they dislike that in a previous job? Um, then I like to ask, what's your top tip for having a successful, successful virtual working relationship? And mm. so that gives you a clue on, you know, have they encountered some struggles and things and how have they overcome them? And what have they learned that's really important? Like, obviously, communication would be a big one um, to know that they're, you know, getting adequate uh, training and they're checking in and being uh, responding quickly to tasks and things like that. Um, I also like to ask, what do you like and dislike about working virtually? And again, you're looking for signs and clues to see if they're, you know, going to be a good fit for what you want. Um, then, of course, the obvious, how do your skills and experience fit this job? Um, what other virtual jobs have you held? What were your responsibilities? How do you handle disruptions? Um, what makes you think you're the best candidate for this job? So that gives them an opportunity to sell themselves and not just their skills, but, you know, some, maybe some of their personality traits or some of their soft skills and things that you may not be able to communicate, you know, in a resume. And then I like to ask them to describe themselves in five words, because those five words can tell you a lot about how they view themselves. And if those five words are like, you know, really key to you, then, you know, that's a good sign. And if they're total opposite of what you're looking for, then that tells you a lot too. <laughs> God, those are great questions. <clears throat> Excuse me. I love those. Yeah. Thank you. Wow. Okay. Um Oh, shoot. I had a question. It just left my head. It'll probably come back. Uh, (laughs) So if it does, I will ask it. Um, I'm curious about another thing around hiring, which is references. Are they, is it even worth reaching out to someone's references? I say absolutely. And I know a lot of times people say, I don't have time or I don't like to call or I don't like this. But, you know, if you could check two or three references, either by email or phone, just having that brief, you know, five to 10 minute phone call can give you insights on how they worked with other people and what that person thought were their strengths and weaknesses. Because, again, if something's really important to you and you're learning that that's a weakness of theirs, then they may not be worth you, you know, considering any further. So I think they're super important because there's always things that you will learn in those reference checks that you won't learn in an interview. And again, you're um, you're hoping to hire someone long-term. So you want to prevent as best you can hiring someone that, you know, doesn't work out 
And if you can do your homework and do just a little bit of extra work up front, it usually, um, or it can make a huge difference. Yeah, I really like that. And it feels like there's um, there's a way of asking the questions to get those sorts of answers. Like I think what people do is they ask basic questions. And so they don't necessarily dig like the questions that right. you talked about on the interview, right? They're, right. You should go. Deep. You could ask similar. Mm-hmm. Right. And if they say, yeah, they worked well with others, you can ask, well, can you give me an example of what it was like to work with so-and-so? And were there any times where there were any kind of, um, you know, situations where she didn't fulfill or he didn't fulfill responsibilities and, you know, just kind of getting a little digging a little bit more to kind of get a more accurate view. Yeah. Yeah. I love that. Another thing that I hear people say uh, as a reason why they don't hire and, and, you know, hand off activities is because they they don't have uh, like procedures written down and they don't feel like they have time right, to put all of that together. So if they do hire someone, then that person, you know, how do they get them trained sort of thing? So what advice do you have on that? Yes. And I was in that same boat when I first hired someone many, many years ago. I didn't have anything written down either because you're so busy doing things. You yeah. don't think, well, I should write it down until you're looking to hire. And then then you think, hmm, it'd be nice if I had this written down. (laughs) So what I did is as I began training someone, I worked on those as I was training. So it was almost like training and writing it down at the same time. And it was a working document. And, you know, I was able to edit and, and gave access to the person I hired to say, okay, were you see any holes that I haven't, you know, uh, build in anything that can help. Like if if you're going to be out for a week and someone's filling in anything else you can add that would help them, you know, be able to figure things out very easily. Um, So that's what I've done. So if you don't have time initially to create SOPs and directions and instructions, then do it with with your hire as you are training them and, you know, have them collaborate collaborate with you to fill in holes so that you can be as thorough as possible. And, you know, it's a, a document that can continually be edited to keep be kept up to date. Yeah, I really like that because I think you also then get a fresh set of eyes on it in right. the process, right? And so, so you have mm-hmm. someone who can look at it and go and say, have you considered doing it this way or that way or, or whatever? You could improve efficiency. Right. Yes. And I tell people that's another great point. I tell people, you know, sometimes small businesses are afraid to hire because they're like, well, I only need someone like five or 10 hours a week. I can't do that. Nobody will want that. And I'm like, you would be surprised how many jobs we see for that five to 10 hours because it's someone brand new and they don't have enough work yet, or they maybe don't have the uh, income yet to hire someone for more. And I said, but you know, what's great about that is a person will be looking for five to 10 hours, either because they've already got 20 hours with other, uh, you know, clients they're working with, and they're just looking to add a little bit more. Or it could be someone that that's all the time that they have, maybe they have young kids, and they want to work, you know, when their kids are in preschool or something. And so they're like, Oh, that'd be perfect. I'm just looking to work like 10 hours a week. So there are people out there you can hire when you only need, you know, a few hours a week. And what the advantage I think that is to other small business owners, 
is those candidates that work for you and you know two or three other clients is they learn things from the other people they work for that they can bring back to you and say, have you ever considered using this tool or that tool? Because we do, and it's really helped our productivity or, you know, I'm making that up as an example, yeah. but the, you know, a virtual assistants, for instance, might work with different tools with one client and see that they could be very beneficial to you as well. And you may never have even heard of it. So it, it's kind of nice where they can bring their strengths to you and things they've learned working with other people. Yeah. I hadn't thought about that. That's interesting. So, and you, you've mentioned um, like different communication tools and things. Yeah. Uh, and I'm, so I'm wondering if you could talk about what are the sorts of tools that uh, a business owner should be thinking about and looking at in order to successfully manage w- with a remote team? Right. When you're starting out, you probably um, aren't familiar with some of these uh, collaboration tools or productivity tools. There's also tools for tracking time. So if you're paying Mm -hmm. someone hourly, um, there's time tracking apps and uh, tools like one called On the Clock. There's one called Harvest and there's one called Time Doctor. And those are just three. There are others out there, but those are three to consider And then for collaboration, productivity, um, organization for remote teams, there are several great ones there as well. Um, We use Asana, and that's been wonderful for us to um, keep everything in one place, you know, for our blog content, our social media, our courses, our virtual assistant task. Everything has its own little um, folder, if you will, our own little board where we can go in and collaborate and keep things. Then you aren't searching for emails to try to find, okay, I remember we talked about this and that, but I don't know where that email is. Well, you don't have that problem anymore. There are other tools like Trello, Slack, Basecamp. Um, of course, G Suite, the Google Suite of, of tools is great with um, Google Sheets and Google Docs and Google Meet. And there's a ton there. Of course, Zoom, uh, Monday.com. So there are some great tools out there to help you as a remote team stay connected, stay organized, and be productive. Boy, no kidding. I didn't realize there were that many. Um, okay, so someone's listening and they're thinking to themselves, yeah, this makes a lot of sense. I, I need to get this ball rolling. Um, what tips do you have for creating a like a job posting that's yeah. effective? Right. That's one. I'm glad you asked that because I, unfortunately, we see job post everything from like a one sentence. I need to hire an assistant, please apply. And they give you no indication what they really need. We see that and all the way to like a three page document that outlines way too much information. So I like to tell people it's somewhere in the middle. You want to give enough information so that uh, the right applicants can apply but not overwhelm them with so much information that they don't want to read it. um, And they just move on to the next job post. So um, you want to attract candidates that share your values, uh, your company mission. So start by sharing your, you know, what's important to your company, your values, your mission, share a brief description of what your company does. So again, if, if what your company does really resonates with that person, or maybe they've had experience in that, that's important. Um, also, of course, list the roles, responsibilities, and requirements so that the candidates can see, okay, I've got skills and abilities in these areas, and they're looking for that. 
um, share the benefits of the job and working for your company? Do you, you know, have some things that you offer that aren't typical? Maybe you invest in your contractors and employees and offer training, or you offer opportunities to grow in some way, or maybe you take off certain days, like some companies we've seen post, they don't work on Friday. So it's a four day work week, or they take, you know, two weeks off at Christmas, you know, those are perks that you can share. Um, How do you celebrate your team? Uh, Do you value independence or do you value regular collaboration? Do you have a very fun work environment or a more serious one? So all of those things help candidates see, well, yes, I align with several of those things. I think I would fit in really well. Or, oh, that doesn't sound like me. That may not be the position I want to apply for. Um, And again, you know, provide adequate information, but don't overwhelm them. And if you want them to take tests, you know, which is perfectly fine, I recommend that in in round two, because I've seen if there's too many things required in the initial application, sometimes people won't apply because they feel like it's too time consuming and they have no idea if they would even be considered. So if you get those, let's say you've got, you know, 20 applicants and eight of them meet your initial, uh, what you're looking for, then, then you could have those eight or so take the test and kind of narrow it down from there. And are you doing that before you're having a conversation with them or does it matter what order you necessarily do that? Yeah, that's really personal preference. But for me, I would probably, um, you know, get those, let's just say it's those eight and email them and just say, thank you. You know, you fit the criteria we're looking for. The next step we have is to, you know, take this test or whatever. And then from there, I would schedule interviews because then you're kind of seeing, okay, are they fitting in the first phase, second phase? And now the interview phase would be my next uh, option. Yeah, I like that. I like that a lot. Um, okay. These are so great. I, I I love this. Talk to me about onboarding. So, cause you've talked a little bit about it, like, you know, mm-hmm. deciding, um, how you're going to handle, you know, deal with them when they first come on board, but talk some more about, I guess, like best practices to have a successful engagement. Yeah. Right. And sometimes, you know, these seem very obvious, but you know, if you've never hired or it's totally new to you, then it may not be so obvious. So I tell people, you know, give yourself grace. You may not, you may have, may not have ever hired. So here's some things that are good to do. So once you have selected your candidate, you know, have um, a kickoff call. And if you have other team members, maybe you welcome them so that everyone can kind of get to know the new te- team member. Um, and then whether that's done in a team setting or just an individual one-on-one, you know, share more about your business, kind of bring that person fully in. Um, I like to share kind of the history of what we've done, um, how we got started, you know, really help them to feel like they're connected and they understand the business. And then what are the values that we have? What are the goals that we have for that role? And, you know, again, just really try to help them understand everything they can about your business early on, because that's, it's almost like training because then they feel that familiarity that helps them not feel like, okay, I'm a fish out of water. I don't really understand uh, when did this business start and why did it start and what did they do before? Um, And then also like to discuss what the training will look like, who will be training them. And like I said, 
early on, we did it together. We we trained and wrote out the descriptions and everything all at once. And now that I have that, if I have to replace someone, then you know we're able to just go through those SOPs together, do some one-on-one training, and then I make myself available or whoever's training them. Um, you know, until that person is fully comfortable, it's usually a week or two. Um, and they have the opportunity. We use Google chat where, you know, they have a question, they can send a quick chat to better understand what they're doing or, you know, ha- schedule a time to talk on the phone and talk through some things. Um, you want to share where your SOPs are, where, you know, if you're using a productivity tool like Asana, kind of giving them the lay of the land and uh, understanding where each um, project is, how to access it. Um, and then, of course, establish your preferred methods methods of communication, whether that's email, whether it's Asana, whether it's texting or group chats. Um, I'm sorry, not group chats, Google chat. However you prefer for you and your team to communicate so that they can be aware and ready to jump in um, as soon as the you know, the, the, the uh, job gets going. And then from there, it's, you know, the paperwork and the next steps. So employment forms, um, any tax forms, if they're an independent contractor, you know, having them sign that agreement. Um, if you have any kind of employee handbook or policies, um, you'll want to get their banking information for direct, direct pay. Um, and then, you know, save all of that information into a file with their name, like on Google Drive or somewhere that you can easily access and find it in the future. Um, And then I like to schedule weekly or monthly check-ins for the first couple of months, just to make sure everything's clicking. Mm -hmm. You know, I'll ask what, what about your job or your tasks feels unclear? What tasks or parts of your job would you like more help with? Um, What are your thoughts so far about this role? And do you have any suggestions or feedback for us? And so there's always, you know, a way to improve your processes in in the same time you're trying to help train someone in the new role. Yeah, that I think that is critical. I'm so glad that you said that because I think we have a tendency to just start and things seem like they're going well. And so then we just let it go. And if someone doesn't feel comfortable speaking up and we're not reaching out, and and right. asking them for their input, then it could be just be a whole world of hurt. Exactly. Yeah. A lot of times people aren't comfortable saying, man, this is a big um, hole or a big um, area that they probably aren't seeing. Yeah. But um, so giving them permission basically to tell you, here's an area that we could improve upon. It's, it's a, you know, it's a blessing to hear that and um, we'll save you problems and issues in the future by, you know, covering all those areas. Definitely. Definitely. All right. So some people are going to do this on their own and some people are um, going to want to like use an organization like yours. Um, Mm -hmm. So talk some about what that process is like. So if if someone's thinking, okay, I really don't want to do all this stuff myself, do the job posting, the interviewing, all that. I just want to be able to get a hold of an organization and say, okay, here's what I want. Right. To me, what does that look like? Yeah. So with Hire My Mom, our job platform is primarily for North America. So when you post a job with us, it's not global. And we do that for a few reasons, but primarily because we've learned with our audience, um, they are the small business owner is typically looking for someone in or near their time zone. 
who is familiar with U.S. business culture and whose English is their first language. And so when you post a job on Hire My Mom, it goes through our uh, verification process to make sure that it's a real person, a real company, and it's not a scam. Online work at home scams used to be huge. Thankfully, they're not as huge now. But we still keep that verification process in place just to protect our community, um, make sure that those scammers don't try to get on <laughs> Hire My Mom. And then once it's posted, applicants can apply directly to you. There's an apply button and they would upload their cover letter and resume and send that directly to you. So it is not like some job posting platforms where they can just click you know, 20 jobs and just send a resume all at once. They do have to individually uh select the job, the cover letter, you know, and customize it before it will send. So we do that to help Hmm. small businesses not be inundated with thousands of applicants um, like they are on some of the mega job boards. We typically hear that our, the, the businesses on Hire My Mom typically get anywhere from 20 to 40 applicants. So it's much more manageable for them to find their fit in that amount of applicants than, you know, a thousand. We've heard from small business owners who posted on some of the large ones that they'll get a thousand applicants in 24 hours and they don't have time to go through that many applicants. (laughs) Um, And then if someone's like, I need to hire, but I just don't have time for any of that. We also have a concierge service where one of our HR specialists can basically do the entire project for you from start to finish. And at the end, they would present you with the top two or three candidates and then you would review their interview, their resume, their candidate summary, and decide for yourself which one you think is the best fit. Oh, it's fascinating. Okay. Wow. So people have a lot of options. There's a lot of different ways that they can do this. Um, Would you- And we also, um, one other thing I was going to say, the other thing we offer is Hiring Made Easy course. And it uh, a lot of what we covered today is in it. And then additional- um, keys on like how much do I pay and things like that. And it's a pretty short course. I think it's uh, five modules, so it can be done in a day or two, but it's for those people that really want to be better informed on all the different uh, tasks and things to know before they begin that process. Awesome. And, And would you advise that if someone has a couple of different positions that they want to, um, hire for or outsource that they do one at a time? I personally would do one at a time unless you just have the capacity to kind of do two projects at once and keep them separate because the interview process can be time consuming, scheduling interviews, reviewing resumes. It depends on what your load is and how urgently you need those people. Um, But if, if it were me, I would prefer to do one at a time. Yeah, I would too. Okay. All right, but you might have people who you could split it up, and, and right. then you could okay. Go. Yeah, and we do have people who will hire two or three roles at the same time, and it may be that two or three different people are interviewing, and it's not one falling on one person to do all of it. Right, right, right. Um, okay, uh, I I got to tell you, Leslie, I love this information. I'm so glad we're having this conversation because it it. It dispels some of the myths that you know people have convinced themselves of, and and I think it um, decreases some of the fear uh, of going about the process. And, right. Right. Yeah, I agree. 
Yeah, I, I'm really uh, grateful. Will you tell the listeners how they can find you? Yeah. So our website is hiremymom.com. We're also on LinkedIn, Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, um, all of those at Hire My Mom. Awesome. Thank you so much. I, I really, it's really valuable information. Uh, and listeners, thank you. You are who we're doing this for. Thank you for tuning in to this episode of Accelerate Your Business Growth, a production of Evergreen Podcasts. Discover more episodes of this podcast and explore others at evergreenpodcast.com. As always, continue to prosper and be curious. And if you're looking to get your sales strategy headed in the right direction, pick up a copy of Succeed Without Selling on Amazon or wherever books are sold. Until we meet again on another episode of Accelerate Your Business Growth, goodbye and good day. Welcome to Don't Retire, Graduate, the podcast that asks you what you want to be when you grow up so you can graduate into retirement with a purpose and a passion, whether you're 25, 85, or any age in between. Gain actionable financial and mindset tips from your favorite authors, podcasters, and influencers to help you reach that exciting next chapter. Listen now and start building your path to financial freedom and reframing what retirement can mean to you. This is your host, Eric Brotman, reminding you, don't retire, graduate.